This is Talking Mule Deer with your hosts, Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. Talking Mule Deer takes you on a journey to learn more about the Mule Deer Foundation, Mule Deer and Blacktail Deer Biology and Management, tips and tactics for hunting, conservation issues, and even features some of our corporate and celebrity partners. Now, let's start talking Mule Deer. It's Jody Stemmler. We're back from the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo for our Mule Deer Foundation podcast. And I'm Steve Belinda, and we're honored to have with us uh, really a huge voice and figure in conservation, Johnny Morris and his son, JP. Welcome, guys. Hey, it's our honor, and we're happy and proud to be here, and we're amazed what we're seeing here. I've heard about this expo and this event. Uh, both of us have for some time, but, but to it's come your here first and time see, being it's our here. First, first time here, and the amount of families here, and the amount of excitement around hunting out west is uh, great to see. Isn't it wonderful to see all those little kids walking around with their mule deer antlers yeah, flapping yeah, on their yeah. heads? It's, it's <laughs> pretty wonderful, and the size and the space of the aisles makes it very family friendly, and then we really like that. So, uh, Johnny, you are it, to me, to many people, you are truly the biggest conservationist of our time. Your vision of that. What? How did that? get grounded into your life from such an early age and to carry it forward the way you are now? Well, I just uh, think it goes back like you see all these families here and parents bringing their kids to get them connected to the outdoors. My mom and dad, I grew up in the Ozarks and the area where I grew up was called, referred to as the float fishing capital of the world because of all of our beautiful streams and rivers and that's how I grew up fishing with my mom and dad. Love the outdoors and especially I always loved fishing and uh, my dad uh, was a big fan of success stories brought about by our Missouri Department of Conservation. And, you know, and, it, and my mom and my father both loved the outdoors, but what they got to see as far as uh, the restoration, bringing back wild turkeys, white-tailed deer in our area, when my parents would talk about when they were young, they just never did see these critters. And, and then as they, you know, time went on. And so, you know, we... Uh, I just uh, had a passion about fishing and was blessed to be able, through a series of events, we started a shop in my dad's liquor store on the way to the lake. And so we go on, we're focused every day, selling lures, selling rods and reels. And then after some time, um, going to some conservation events. And last night I had opportunity to visit a little bit with folks. And I was just saying, you know, going to the first National Wild Turkey Federation was one of the things that was like a spark plug uh, to make us realize, and this is we went on many things, the future of our business and the sports that we love, it's really more dependent on how we manage our resources and conservation and do we have access and can young kids especially go out in public waters, public lands and have exciting times and really catch yeah. fish and have the chance to hunt or be immersed in nature. And uh, conservation is, the, is a big key to that. And uh, then, you know, as time's gone on, and we've been blessed to have a good business and see it grow, the, uh, we, we look at it like it's our obligation. Right. We have to give back, and it's the a, it's a best investment we can make and it's also, as we've been blessed from these sports, it's our obligation and something we enjoy to give back and participate. And just Jody, i got to say about this girl that's interviewing us here, Jody, your husband Casey, we've known them for many years since back, I think, at the, I was on the board of the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation for a while. 
You guys are awesome. And uh, big hearts Thank for you. conservation. And I think that's just what it takes a lot of teamwork, you know, to make good things happen. You know, Johnny, last night when I was watching those photographs from yes. your grandparents to your parents to you and then yeah. down to JP and, and your sisters, it, it really, and I come from a similar background where, we, you know, that was passed down and I have those old pictures. But it wasn't just the fact that you were taking something from wildlife, but you've been giving it back. And we often talk about, you know, give a little bit back. Well, you've given a lot back. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what drove you to do that? And JP, do you feel like you're getting set up to have shoes that you can't fill as you get older? Because, I mean, this is huge. So I want to say just I, I met John Paul for the first time at SHOT Show this year. And I, you know, Johnny, you've talked about him a number of times. We've just never been in the same place at the same time. And I am so impressed. I, and I, it shouldn't be because I know how wonderful you are, but how that commitment and that vision comes through with you as well so uh, congratulations on that well thank you i've been very lucky from a young age to have a dad and a family that took me out in the outdoors hunting and fishing and you know that's the key to get younger people involved in hunting and fishing we got to work on this recruitment get more people in the sports we love but you got to have somebody that can take you on those trips you got to have somebody to introduce you to the outdoors and do it in the right way so i've been very very blessed in that regard and uh look forward to continuing to try to give back wherever we can well we'd certainly appreciate it now Three months ago, four months ago, you had a, a very big grand opening of the new Wonders of Wildlife Museum, which I had to stay home with Sophie, so I watched it on on the live cast that went down. It, it seems and like I it's too. absolutely it awesome. stunning, and I'm so happy for you to have that great place. But tell us a little bit more, because you were also just selected as the new, uh, new then you go USA Today as the, the best new attraction. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 We're very proud about that. The fact that uh, our whole facility is really dedicated to the role hunters and anglers, sportsmen and sportswomen have played in conservation. And uh, I think a backbone of, of the facility is uh, the partnerships that we have developed over many years that are playing out here with the different conservation groups. They've been big supporters and hopefully We'll keep the place very fresh and vibrant with the conservation, you know, issues of the day or problems. But also, we sell—it's not all gloom and doom. And there's a lot of insp a lot of things we have to celebrate, you know, that we've collectively done together. And there's uh, a lot of artifacts from the sports of hunting and fishing, and a lot—just a lot of history in that place, as well as like dioramas and living aquariums and things like that. It, it's a very, it seems like a very, very fr family friendly with telling the story and getting it through throughout the entire process without beating you over the head with it in a positive, proactive way. And I mean, the dioramas look amazing. And it looks like you took the time to get it right the way you wanted it to be so that it had that positive. Johnny's well known for that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't fast. <laughs> well, you know, it, you, you know, I got to tell you this. So people at home, they're going, what the heck's going on? What's going on? What's all these years and years and years going on? It was about like nine or ten years to get this thing opened up again. We had we had a small museum, and we said, well, it was okay, but it wasn't like really getting the job done. And I tell people that the big inspiration was the Museum of Natural History in New York City. Yes. And I studied about that. It took 13 years to develop yeah. that. And so... The things that have come to place here from around the world, I mean, Zane Gray's boat, he caught the first marlin on in New Zealand, and that wow. was, we got that and shipped that back, different things. There's a lot of, a lot of 
history coming together. Yeah. Well, well I grew up, my father said, if you're going to do something, do it right. Yep. So that you don't got to redo it later. And it takes, it'll end up being less time, less money, less effort. And, you know, I haven't been there yet, but I also, like Jody, watched the live cast and just saw that it looked like you've done it right. And, well, and and I know, Johnny, <laughs> I've heard this for years, that you go to every store you open also, and you oversee the details. That that vision and the stores that you walk into is the vision that you mm. see and, and part of the attraction. One of the inspirations we had to do this, was, Jody, is over the years, we've developed a pool of talent. Some work for the company and some are just freelance, but amazing group of artists. And most of them have a real passion, too, for the outdoors and are students of you know, nature. So to have an opportunity to bring them together, as with mm-hmm. the Museum of Natural History in New York, the artwork yes. is a part of this, to your point. And they had so much pride in doing this and to assemble that kind of a group of remarkable talent to bring things to life. It's very immersive. A lot of these exhibits you can walk through, it's like pretty much being outdoors in nature. That's neat. Well, and it's it's very close to Big Cedar Lodge. Um, so it is quite a destination for a family yeah. um, mm-hmm. to come to spend time at Wonders of Wildlife, to see the original Bass Pro stores, and then spend some time down on yeah. Table Rock Lake, right? Yeah. yeah, and we'd think it's our home, so we had a motivation to build this there if we could. But also Springfield, it's pretty much right in the center of the country. And half the population is within a day's drive. If we're and you got three airports fairly close yes, to get in but, and out. I mean, so. you think some people might never get to New York City, right. to Museum of Natural History. So we wanted to create something of that scale that really tells a story of how much sportsmen and women have done for conservation from the days of, you know, the first Native Americans. And they were our first hunters, you know. And... We, we start the whole museum tour celebrating them. And to remind kids today, hunting has been a way of life in our country since before history, you know. Yeah. And then also to celebrate the heroes like Roosevelt and Audubon. There's a lot of members of Audubon Society probably don't even realize that Audubon was a big hunter. And, that, and like Roosevelt, he hunted and that drew them to the nature and to the, understand the importance of habitat to sustain the animals and have laws to regulate you know from over harvest and just to be have the responsibility to be good stewards yeah we were talking earlier about you know it was hunters who stepped up and said you know what we're going to regulate ourselves we're going to do these things ourselves they didn't wait for anyone else to do it they came in did it themselves and you know you don't see that a lot of times a lot of times someone has to tell someone that they're doing something bad and jp i gotta ask you with with the attention to detail and everything else that your father's shown in business did he show that to you when you were doing your homework and you know looking over Uh, your shoulder and i think we may have gotten trouble collectively from my mom a few times for not following through on her homework (laughs) like we should have been doing we were playing hooky (laughs) when you were going on a hunting or fishing trip right (laughs) yeah but i've been lucky to be around uh my dad obviously since i was a little kid and then uh, around the business since i was like 16 i started working in the summertime so we've got a lot of great long-term employees a lot of people that are that are really passionate about the outdoors and conservation and giving back and uh it's no different at the museum you know i think one of the coolest things about going through the museum is that if you go through with different groups of people you find that certain people gravitate toward different exhibits or different areas of the museum and the cool thing is there's a lot of different stories about what conservationists have done and hunters and anglers have done for conservation and you can find a lot of different ways to inspire somebody. So sometimes kids find more fun with the, you know, the penguins and the live stuff. And then I see guys go over there and they're drooling all over the King of Bucks, Bucks collection. Yeah. So there's a little something for everybody. 
Yeah, that's great. So another big news story. It all happened all around the same time, didn't it? You've had a big year. 2017 was a big year for the Johnny Mars and Bass Pro Shops was the acquisition of Cabela's. Um, you know, it made big waves, obviously, in the outdoor industry. Tell me a little bit about how that's going, what your vision is, um, why it was important for you to bring that in under the Bass Pro name or the Bass Pro well, company. I, f I feel this way. You know, a lot of admiration for that brand, for the people in that company that have built that company. And they were a competitor for years, but we respected them as a competitor. They have a great following. And, you know, there are some challenges in the, in the hunting and shooting segment of the outdoors. And uh, anyway, for various reasons, when Cabela's came up for sale, uh, we had thought for many years that, that companies could be very complimentary to serve customers because our heritage is more an expertise is fishing, 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 and our boats. Cabela's is known, obviously, hunting, shooting sports, and just all around camping. And uh, the, most of their stores out here in the west, uh, ours more like concentrated in the southeast. Florida's really big for us. And so the, the footprints of the stores are complimentary. We thought the skills and the traditions of expertise were very complimentary. And th this may sound phony, but I, I will tell you this. Another big motivation to me personally was you look at the database or the, the customer following that they had and that we have. We didn't discover this fully till after the transaction closed, but there's very little overlap in our database, really? surprisingly. Mm. Uh, small like 10 percent of the customer i mean as far as like the mailing list for catalogs and so forth um, but anyway what a platform to ignite or have a, a chance to embrace sportsmen and rally the sportsman's voice you mentioned earlier jody about the opening of museum and aquarium we had a summit uh, there and we invited all of our top vendors from the outdoor industry, and we invited all the lead secretaries. Zinke was there, uh, a lot of the state agency directors and the NGOs, uh, Miles from the Mule Deer Foundation, uh, Dale Hall from Ducks Unlimited, on and on. So we had them all in one room. And the way we view, like, for the future of our business, a lot of it does depend how we make. We're all partners in this, right, in the big picture. So by Bass Pro and Cabela's coming together, hopefully motivations are we can do more for customers, maybe deliver more value with better buying power, in, hone in on, on a better selections. But then, too, if we can be a, like a vehicle to uh, communicate through our conservation partners to help share the, the messages and the concerns and create a unified voice because if, if – there's a shortage maybe of information and shame on us in the past for not doing better to communicate what are the conservation issues, how do we, what's going to rally these people that care, that's, they, they love the outdoors and they care deeply about hunting and fishing and conservation. If we can just, by combining this, uh, these companies and being more focused, and that was part of the mission of this summit, and that's going to be a big part of our goal in the new company going forward is to be a very folk conservation focused enterprise we i just we issued a like a, a vision for the future paper and we have like our key pillars conservation is one of the top right up there at the top on parallel with the other four 
pillars of our company. Well, you know, so, when you go in the stores, you see the logos of the organizations you guys work with. And, you know, that's having worked for numerous nonprofits and that, you know, that's really encouraging that you're bringing the power that you all have to the, the hunters and the anglers to get them to understand the organizations. And along those lines, you were just chair of a blue ribbon panel that well, now has led to a piece of legislation that can benefit conservation. Yeah, so actually the first time you and I worked together was back on Teaming with Wildlife, which was to try to get dedicate, increase the funding for state fish and wildlife agencies. And we worked on that 20 years ago, which <laughs> started to feel pretty old. But, uh, and it's continuing on. And your chairmanship of the blue ribbon panel uh, on sustaining America's fish and wildlife heritage has now brought that at full circle to hopefully have a new initiative and a new chance to get that done. Tell me about the, the, the Blue Ribbon Panel and, and where we're going with this and what our opportunities are. Um, I was honored to be asked to serve on this panel, and it's along with uh, former Wyoming Governor uh, Friedenthal. And uh, so there's a, a, a lot of people raised their hand from industry from conservation to come and address an issue that we face, and that's funding for fish and wildlife. Going back to our ability of Bass Pro and Cabela's and others to communicate to sportsmen, I would venture to guess that the vast majority of the customers and maybe people listening to this are not even aware that sportsmen many years ago pretty much levied upon themselves, asked to be taxed on their gear. Uh, and so there's today, there's like, Every time somebody buys a fishing plug or a rod and reel or a shotgun or ammunition, there's a, like a 10% federal excise tax that those customers, those sportsmen and women are paying on their gear. And that has been earmarked to go back to the state, mostly it goes back to the state fish and wildlife agencies to support the great work that they do. And between that and the sale of hunting and fishing license, sportsmen are really funded, paid for, right. foot the bill for a lot of the great work that these agencies do. Just and to in, in fact, many state agencies, not, not all of them, but many, get no general state tax dollars at all to do their fish and wildlife yeah. conservation work. I mean, Missouri is, yes. a, is a different situation, and there's a couple of others that get additional dollars in, but a lot of them get yeah. none at all. Yes. So when this panel was convened, there was, there was awareness uh, of like a looming almost crisis, you could say, on our budgets and one of the issues as you're fully aware Joe is like uh, with the listing of threatened and endangered species by the federal government and we have to look after all critters and our habitat but this comes at a huge price and so the built when when animals or plants and things are listed on this the the burden is falling back to the state agencies in many cases to administer the mandates or the you know guidelines to look after these endangered critters and uh, that is is very very expensive so it's taking money uh, or money that was traditionally going for like hatcheries for fisheries and other you know wildlife biologists for deer turkeys other things it's taking a lot of that budget and a lot of the money that sportsmen's money for you know, the, the fish and wildlife stuff that they cared about and do care about deeply is is being diverted now for other important things, but it's away from more uh, game animals and, and fish. And so there's a shortfall in funding to do all this good work. And it's really 
critical. I think it comes down, you have to have common sense and just like a budget with anything, our yeah. business, your, your household, whatever, there has to be sometimes we pick and choose. I think we can make better decisions the more broadly we can inform people. But the Blue Ribbon Panel is trying to reach out now to create more permanent, long funding uh, sources for this money. And there, so we looked at some existing flow of taxes that are coming into the government, but not creating new taxes, which it's not a very popular thing uh, in the country, not much chance for creating new burdens of tax, but to look within uh, taxes that are being generated and see how that could be, uh, maybe have the chance to gain support to fund that. Because people in general, whether hunters or anglers or not, I think today, uh, people in this country, they care more about the environment and having habitat for that we all need, you know, than ever before. So we're optimistic. Uh, it would result in what? Like I've heard of $1.2 billion. $1.3 billion, um, and it's using the, what your panel recommended was using uh, revenues generated from mineral development, both offshore and onshore. So um, oil and gas development, um, some mining revenues. Those revenues are coming in right now, but it makes sense for them to be targeted for conservation, for habitat preservation, yes. for wildlife species. and. And your comment about the threatened and endangered species, if we can be proactive at manning the species before they hit that point, you don't have the regulatory burden that an endangered listing requires where you, you can't do anything where those species are found um, that would harm the animals. This helps to take care of them before they reach that point. Um, the old ounce of preservation is worth a pound of cure kind of a concept. You're right on. And, you know, the oil and, oil and gas industry, they've been pretty supportive because they're paying this tax anyway. Mm -hmm. So if they can see that be earmarked to do good and maybe win them some more public favor, you know, being having a concern for our lands and waters, uh, it seems like a very logical, wise investment of those revenues coming in. Yeah. And it would be a huge help to something that's important to all of us, whether we hunt or fish or not. And that's taking care of our waters and right. our habitats for all of us. And, and once again, it's it's conservationists, hunters, and anglers stepping up to propose this. It is, yep. Leading the way uh, we Absolutely. did 100 years ago. And so. hunters and anglers are a big part of it, but uh, those those energy industry companies were on the Blue Ribbon panel that you and Governor Fruenthal um, chaired. And, you know, this is, I, it's a, it's a, there, there is a bill right now, um, the Recovering America's Wildlife Act. Um, they are trying to get some traction right now, and hopefully this can move forward. But it's something that, that the, Hunters, um, outdoors folks needs to get aware of and, and call their members of Congress. Well, to, it's a to true support. legacy bill, and it's going to allow folks like JP and his kids and his grandkids to continue to have these great natural resources and the opportunity to hunt and fish and, you know, maybe not deal with some of the burdens you've had to deal with or Jody and I have had to deal with and make it a little bit easier to keep this stuff going. But without funding, it yeah. can't happen. I so. really feel like, you know, even back from the Fish and Wildlife Foundation, I feel like this is such a great, I mean, budgets are tough for everybody, business, government, whatever, but I feel like this is the wisest, most beneficial investment of our money that, that we can make, private dollars or tax dollars. And I, I think back to the model of the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation where our federal government puts money on the table. There's kind of a criteria, though, and this money's all earmarked for different conservation projects, but... The mission of the board is to raise two dollars of private money for every dollar of public money. So I'm a taxpayer here, and I'm I'm 
putting my money on the table to do good for fish and wildlife and just the environment in general. And I see here's a chance if I invest yep. in this, that our tax dollars are going into this pool and it's being multiplied. And they do large landscape projects, but also just small pioneering, you know, grassroots things almost but have the ch that often have the chance to be replicated and really have a major impact so then it builds that social responsibility that if we're going to impact something we gotta you know fix it or or do something to make it whole again after the fact because we are using resources and we're going to continue to use resources so so i have one last thing that we need to talk about martin truex jr NASCAR oh champion. <laughs> Congratulations, guys. That is a big deal. I, and again, after we got to know each other, we, your love of NASCAR and ours as well. Yeah. Um, you know, you guys have been involved and engaged increasingly over the years, and now you, you finally have a champion. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, he's a champion, not only driver, but just a great individual, yes. uh, guy and loves hunting and fishing. Is a great ambassador for, comes to a lot of conservation events. And I think it's pretty cool. You know, sometimes people... Some of our professionals say, Johnny, why, why are you spending money on NASCAR over here compared to just more fishing tournaments or something? I said, because we're cross-pollinating. There's yeah. a lot of fans in that sports. Many of them are sportsmen and women, but also there's a lot of kids, you know, and they see the big or big bass on the hood of this. And, they, and, if, and they, if, like, hunting and fishing is cool with any celebrities, you know, a singer or songwriter or a race driver or a professional golfer, it kind of – you know, cross-pollinates. Well, I, I had a brother that played uh, professional baseball, and the, the little bit of time I got to spend in the locker room, all those guys who were, you know, on TV and heroes of mine and, you know, wanted to talk to me about the work I did as a biologist. And all we did was talk hunting and fishing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it was great. It was, it was yeah. you know, just like an extension of the old hunting camps yeah. and your friends and that. It was pretty awesome. So right so. we're talking right now, I think Martin's uh, practicing yes, for a race for tonight in Daytona. Yeah. Well, my, my cousin's uh, nine-year-old son is a ra races quarter midgets at Wall Speedway in New Jersey, which is where Martin yeah, got his. Absolutely. And, and I, I will tell you, Martin is his icon. And he is so, uh, he was so excited to go down there and race. He's racing in Daytona in the little quarter midget races that they do around on the speed weeks. And, uh, and, and, but your point of you have an ambassador, you have a person that these kids, and, and I'm going to say Braden's a, he's a farm kid, so he's growing up hunting and fishing already, but he looks up to that person and, and Martin's such a, a stand-up guy. I mean, he is such, he's got a tremendous story, um, and, and he's, a, he's just a great, great person. Yeah, his, his dad and his uncle were commercial, or they're still commercial oh, sure, fishing, yeah. and so they get all this conservation yeah. uh, important Absolutely. significance, too. Yes. Well, Johnny, John Paul, thank you so much. I know you've got busy schedules and taking this much time out of your day is uh, greatly appreciated. We're really happy you're here at the Western Hunting and Conservation hey, Expo. We're, and we're very happy, and Steve yeah. and Jody, thank you. Yeah, not just from me and JP, but from everybody that loves you. Thank you for dedicating your talents and your life's work to make it conservation well, to benefit us all. We're grateful to you. Yeah, thank you for setting such a great example and leaving such an indelible mark on conservation. And hopefully we can continue that and things will continue to get better. And JP, I wish you all luck filling your father's shoes because he's they are huge. And uh, <laughs> hey, I, he's got his priorities straight. He gets my share of hunting and fishing in, <laughs> and his too. <laughs> well, we've both been known to play a little hooky occasionally. <laughs> you know what? That that that, that keeps you honest, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Cheap product tester right over here. Ah, yeah. from me, so. Hey, well, we we also close. We sure invite you to come to Springfield, see Wonders of Wildlife, and everybody that's listening. 
if you care Where can about they the find out about it? Is, it's wondersofwildlife.org. Is that correct? That's correct. correct. Yep. correct. Yep. Exactly. That's correct. Absolutely. And they've got a very active Facebook page as well. So, uh, so anybody who's interested in doing that, um, please come and check it out and go see it. Thank you Thank for your you very time. Much. Thank, Thank you so you much. I'm Jody Stemler. And I'm Steve Belinda. Until we talk to you. Thanks for talking Mule Deer with Steve Belinda and Jody Stemler. The Mule Deer Foundation is the only conservation group in North America dedicated to restoring, improving, and protecting mule deer and black-tailed deer and their habitat. MDF is a strong voice for hunters in access, wildlife management, and conservation policy issues. To find out more, visit www.muledeer.org and stay tuned for the next episode of Talkin' Mule Deer.